Are sentences for those convicted of crimes related to identity theft, such as data breach hacks and card skimming, becoming more severe? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Kimberly Peretti, Director of PricewaterhouseCoopers U.S. Forensic Technology Solutions Practice. Peretti formerly served as the Senior Counselor with the Department of Justice's Criminal Division in the Computer Crime and Intellectual Property Section. She also was the lead prosecutor in the U.S. versus Gonzalez trial, the largest hacking and identity theft case ever prosecuted by the DOJ. Kim, during your time with the DOJ, as I just mentioned, you served as the lead prosecutor in the federal hacking and identity theft case against Albert Gonzalez, the mastermind behind the theft of millions of credit and debit card numbers from U.S. retailers. You now have moved into the private sector. Could you please tell us a little bit about your new role? Sure. Um, as you mentioned, I'm a director in the Forensic Services Group at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, here in this group, I focus on the prevention, response, and remediation of all different types of data breaches, including those involving payment card information, PCI, personally identifiable information, PII, and, and personal health information, PHI. I also service a wide range of our clients in matters of cyber intrusions, cyber investigations, cyber security, financial crime, fraud and regulation, payment card systems, compromise and risk mitigation, as well as economic espionage and intellectual property theft. Okay, and going back to the Gonzalez case, can you tell us how the prosecution of identity theft-related crimes have been impacted by that case, and what type of precedent did it set? Sure. I, I sort of see, see three fundamental areas of its impact, and, and ultimately this was an enormous uh, success for law enforcement, in particular because of the element of international cooperation. It, it really it demonstrated the ability of law enforcement to investigate crimes where the bulk of the evidence, the witnesses, um, the individuals, the targets are overseas, and the ability of law enforcement to catch those very sophisticated criminals wherever they're located. So that's one area. I see of a particular impact, um, the, the degree of, of international connection um, of this particular prosecution. The second, the, the, the second area is really a significant impact in, in the sentencing of these computer criminals. In particular, um, I prosecuted these type of cases for eight years, and earlier on, when we would get to the sentencing, sentencing stage for these particular cases of Carter's um, credit and debit cards theft cases, we would see the, the judge have a particular sentencing range before him or her and emphasize special, determin special deterrence rather than general deterrence. And in emphasizing special deterrence earlier on, um, the, the individuals were more likely to get very, very light sentences or probation. Whereas in this particular round of cases, um, each judge made it very clear on their record the importance of sending a message to the community that cyber crimes by their very nature um, allow offenders to commit the offense without leaving their homes and with, within a veil of anonymity and as a result um, we need to punish the appropriate uh, punishment for these particular cyber criminals in order to supply the prospective cyber criminals with the information they need to have a real deterrence. The third area was the sentences. When you have a 20-year sentence that was given to the ringleader for these particular cases, um, that's comparable to some of the most significant non-cyber white-collar criminal cases we've seen. And it really puts cyber crimes on the same level as, as the other types of serious white-collar crimes. From your perspective, looking at an identity theft case versus a data breach case, could one be deemed a less punishable offense than another? How do the courts differentiate those types of crimes? 
Well, I sort of differentiate them between um, identity theft cases that involve new account creation. So maybe an individual's um, information is stolen and used to open up new accounts um, and really have significant financial impact to that individual versus some of the data breach cases where it's just an account takeover um, using someone's stolen credit card information. As far as they're differentiated legally, um, often um, at the department when I was prosecuting, prosecuting, we would use the same statutes to prosecute these types of crime, the wire fraud, identity theft, access device fraud, uh, computer fraud. So the same, you know, statutory analysis would apply. Um, the difference was really in the actual financial loss suffered by a particular individual. In the credit card data case, the individuals are reimbursed often by their uh, issuing banks. And in the other cases, uh, the new account creation, they can, victims can suffer a much more significant financial loss. At the end of the day, in the sentencing analysis, um, a default, if it's an access device fraud, case, a credit card case, you'll have a, a baseline $500 per access device, you know, monetary value assigned. But, but the differentiator when you get to the sentencing stage is, you know, it, it's a more of a significant impact to the court sentencing a case if you have individuals in the courtroom whose lives have been ruined versus um, a case where it's credit card and the individuals haven't faced as much financial loss. And in the latter case, it's more difficult to get um, these recent cases aside, a more significant sentence. That said, we've seen you know, recent statutes address the issue in acknowledging the fact that even if an individual doesn't suffer financial loss, there's other types of loss that are important to recognize, such as you know, more of the indirect costs, the costs you had to take off time working uh, to solve the, the particular case against you or to identify what had happened and, and get your, restore yourself to a particular state. So we had a recent statute passed that um, expands the definition of loss to account for some of those other intangible indirect costs with recovering from identity theft loss. And that's a nice segue talking about the financial um, institutions specifically. You've mentioned card issuers. And I'm wondering what trends you see in the financial space regarding some of these data breaches, where we look at legal liability, responsibility. Where does some of that fall when we look at financial institutions and retailers? Well, if you look at the, the legal li liability analysis for the particular retailer um, victims, I mean, for the most part, the financial, the, the plaintiff class action lawsuits against these corporate victims of da databases have largely been unsuccessful due really to the difficult in proving injury in fact or a proof of harm. Um, and these cases are still requiring the da damages. And this is in contrast to the recent um, spate of lawsuits we've seen in the area of the corporate account takeover online banking ACH fraud cases where there is that actual financial loss, that injury in fact that's easily provable. Um, so in lawsuits, the, the liability for, for merchants still, the, the, the plaintiffs are either lacking stand, standing because there's no injury or they're not able to state a claim of, of action. Um, that said, we've certainly, you know, there's certainly the area to watch out for that remains uncertain is the state statutes. Um, several years ago, Minnesota passed a statute that was one of the first states to statutorily impose liability on negligent merchants. 
Um, and we've seen Washington in March of this year enact a second state statute in this area. Uh, of course, there's been other states like California whose attempts have failed, uh, but you know the state statute area is an area to watch out for. Now, moving into a little bit more about what you're doing in the private sector, can you help us understand how your experience with the DOJ is benefiting some of the clients that you're working with now at PricewaterhouseCoopers? What I see is, you know, security is ultimately a risk-based approach, and you need to understand, you know, up front the threats to your organization, the threats to your your industry. And so what I believe I can bring to, you know, from to the private sector from my experience at DOJ is really insight into three different types of sources of data leakage or information theft. And one is the organized criminal groups that are stealing our financial data from our financial services sector. And the second is insiders stealing basically all different um, types of information and understanding how to protect against the insider threat. And then third are the nation states engaged in more of the economic espionage. Uh, For for a company to to implement a risk-based security approach, the first step is really to understand what those threats are. And then secondly, the other thing is, um, you know, the perspective of the importance of the collaborative approach into understanding the threat. And um, one thing I worked on at DOJ was really bridging law enforcement and the private industry and information sharing um, endeavors. And what I hope to bring to the private sector is to continue to engage in, in the established information sharing vehicles we have, like the Financial Services Information Sharing and Advisory Center, FSISAC, as well as some of the law enforcement-run information sharing groups, the Secret Service Electronic Crimes Task Force and InfraGuard by the FBI, and look for opportunities to continue to develop new ways that we can engage in this collaborative approach. What are you learning from some of the new clients that you meet? What are they bringing to those discussions, and what are you bringing from your experience? I'm learning quite a bit about the difficulties, um, you know, clients and companies face in addressing uh, the issue, where to put their resources, how to make the, the correct uh, pitch upwards to management, and, and why it's important to have, um, you know, have certain security practices in place. And what I try to bring is an understanding of the nature and the scope of the attack. Um, you know, often that's not reported how extensive a particular set of breaches is or a particular set of attacks. And understanding that message can make it easier for companies to pitch to management, uh, you know, to get the, the positive response back of, yes, we need to invest in our security practices. We need to be more aware of this. We need to really um, bring people together at a management level in our incident response planning, for example. And finally, Kim, as we wrap up, I'd like to ask you, over the next 12 months, what are the primary privacy concerns institutions and the industry generally should be concerned about? Well, two I'll mention are not particularly new, but financial institutions should continue to be concerned with the ACH wire fraud corporate account takeovers. That seems to be affecting institutions small, mid-range, and large, and as a financial services sector, we need to be aware of those attacks, and they change over time. Um, The second one is is the continued exploitation of vulnerable point-of-sale systems, particularly at smaller restaurants, smaller retails, hotel properties, and other types of small to mid-sized establishments. And finally, always, you know, don't let your guard out. Always be aware of new types of attacks 
and the latest and greatest. Um, you know, the sooner you can you can you see those type of attacks, you can mitigate against them. I just read recently about a new threat where we have botnets being used in in the check counterfeiting area, where a botnet might be used to scrape check images from sites that are archiving processed checks in digital formats. So always be aware of those new types of attacks. Don't hear about them 12 months later. Try to hear about them right away so you can implement the, the, the mitigation techniques to, to help your company. Thank you so much for your time today, Kim. You're welcome. Happy to talk. We've just heard from Kim Beretti, Director of PricewaterhouseCoopers U.S. Forensic Technology Solutions Practice. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.